You're listening to a Southern Star Media Production. Holly Kearns is a Social Democrat TD for Cork Southwest, who was elected to the Dáil in February. Prior to that, she was a member of Cork County Council, having secured her seat by just one vote in a nail-biting recount in May 2019. She spoke to us recently from her office in Leinster House. So Holly, um, it's incredible to think now that it's just over a year since you entered politics, really. And um, then you were a new councillor and now you're, I suppose, relatively new, but not all that new TD. But how have you found the past year as a politician? Yeah, it, it, it was a roller coaster to go from zero to councillor to, to TD in, I think, it, is it eight or nine months? Yes. Um, but I mean, it's been great. And I think, you know, when you start out in activism and you're trying to affect change to experience actually how quick change can be um, is really motivating and really uplifting. It's, it's been a, a really nice kind of momentum builder for both campaigns that it all happened so quickly. So it has been a roller coaster and at times really difficult and tiring, but on the whole, I wouldn't change a thing. Right. And you say there that um, you're motivated by the fact that you can change things. Well, there's a lot of people who have gone into politics and discovered they couldn't actually change anything, even after a few years. But you do actually feel you're, you're making some headway. Yeah, and I would understand the, the people you're talking about there is frustration. It is... Um, you know, even as an example, to, to, to get this far, you know, one of my motivations going into politics was that we need kind of real science-based action on, on climate change and supports for everybody who's affected by that. And thinking, OK, you know, I've realised through the social referendums that knocking on doors and asking people to vote is really effective way to change things. We'll keep going with that. And you get into the council, you realise you can't make much of a change there in terms of um, climate change. and then you get to the dull and all that that entails and realise then that you can't even get an answer to a question very easily in here, is um, change can be really slow and really quick simultaneously. But I think also I'm still finding my feet here. I never even got to find my feet in the council and I certainly wouldn't be giving up hope and feeling like I can't, can't affect any of the changes that um, you know everybody who voted for this did so we'll keep going we'll keep going is right now you were, you were a pretty controversial councillor in fact in the short space of time you were at Cork County Council and um, I think you kind of I suppose you became a little bit of a thorn in the side maybe of management because you had quite a controversial podcast where you called them out on things that you saw that you didn't think were right and like you were talking about the documentation that didn't arrive on time before meetings and you called them out on that and you found you were even blocked even when you you felt you were getting full support you were blocked at the last hurdle so um just let me into that that whole time uh, just briefly is there anything you'd change now if you were starting off again as a young councillor no I mean, it certainly wasn't my intention to be a thorn in anyone's side and go in with that in mind. Um, but that is kind of how it transpired. And I suppose one of the things about being very new and fresh to politics and not having a, a political background or anything like that is that in, in some ways you are naive and inexperienced and all of those things. And in hindsight, I think that was my biggest strength. 
Um, so when you arrive somewhere like that and you just, you know, there was often times where we're like, this is probably a really stupid question, but uh, better ask, better to find out than, you know, a bit embarrassing, but here I go, hand up, ask question. And then you realize for one, nobody's ever asked. And for two, the answer is not good enough. So I, I yeah, I, like I said, I never intended to be a thorn in the side, but when there's glaring kind of ridiculous things in place like not being furnished with really important documentation that we're expected to vote on before a meeting um, things like I could actually go on all day about the, the list of things in Cork County Council that I encountered and thought to the to your average person who's just walked in the door this isn't acceptable it's huge and I think it's probably the same here so for example I'm a, a member of the Dole Reform Committee here and uh, that's one of the things I said in the first meeting is you know it's, it's interesting to be on a reform committee when I don't even know the existing way that it works, but sometimes that inexperience can be an advantage. And as a newcomer to the Dole, the fact that we come up here, you, you've got uh, questions and answers with the minister, and it's actually common practice and, you know, kind of accepted that you don't get an answer. Like, to a newcomer, that's ridiculous. And I think to the general public as well, that's pretty ridiculous. So, well, is it that you don't get um, any answer? Is it that you don't get any answer, Holly, or is it that the answer is kind of a fudge, or you know, you're you're fobbed off by the answer? You get a response, um, but yes, it's. I would think you explained it well. You get a kind of a. It's like if you said, "What what time are we having this Zoom call?" And I said, "You know, loads of other things that were going on at different times." So I wouldn't call it an answer. I call it a response. Right. Okay. And that is frustrating, I'd imagine. And, and do you find the fact that you're questioning the uh, procedures is making you slightly like a bit of an outcast? Maybe you're beginning to feel a little bit like how you felt at Cork County Council, that you shouldn't be asking those questions? No, not yet. Not yet, anyway. <laughs> Hopefully not at all. Um, but, but yeah, back to the question about the council. Like I wouldn't, I actually wouldn't change a thing. And I think it's really important that it's okay to ask questions and to challenge um, the kind of institutions that we have because, you know, change is always good. Right. Um, now, you won the Dáil seat in February and you had a very high-profile race against many uh, local politicians, including your, your partner now also uh, sitting TD. But bring me back to the campaign because I was reading a little bit more about it again today and I know your own father said that he was very surprised that you did so well. And yet when I spoke to you at the Count Centre, you gave me the distinct impression that you weren't actually all that surprised that you got the seat in the end, that you had a kind of a quiet confidence in yourself. Would I be right? Yeah, I think for one, going into any campaign, you need a part of you needs to believe that you can do it or you simply wouldn't get through a campaign. There, It's a grueling process it's exhausting it's all those things but like to rewind back to the referendums we had in Ireland um marriage equality and to repeal the eighth amendment I knew from then that it was possible not necessarily for me but for a more progressive voice to have a seat in Cork Southwest so I was never as surprised as you know, the politicos or the honours of my dad, um, because I had knocked on doors in West Cork, I'd spoken to people, and I knew that there was an appetite for something more progressive for a voice. Like, there was a lot of us who weren't being represented. And having gone through the local elections and taken the final seat in the Bantry area, I was even more aware that that 
um, that boat was there and the, the want for new representation was there. So, yeah, I wasn't that surprised. But, well, you know, I've be never been... Sorry, I was just going to say, there can be a difference between knocking on doors and getting a really good positive response and then getting those people out to vote. And primarily when they're young people, there has been a criticism of the younger people that they're great to say what they want, how they want it, but getting them to register or getting them to actually get out and vote can be very tricky. So did you have to do a lot of persuasion then to get those people to actually go and vote on the day? Like in terms of registering people to vote, that we, we couldn't really work on that too much because um, it was a snap election. So we had a kind of three week preparation time. So in the local elections, we had done a big register to vote drive and we had planned on doing one for the general election because the one vote story is just the perfect please register to vote. And so that's um, just for people who don't know, you got into the um, Cork County Council on the strength of one vote after several recounts at County Hall and one vote got you over the line in the end, which was remarkable. I don't know if we've seen that before in Irish politics, but it was very exciting, edge of your seat <laughs> stuff, late nights counting, yeah. went on for days and you made it. So you have made the point ever since that every vote counts because you know that so well. So just Here's the ultimate get out to vote story. Exactly. But also, I think, you know, there's a big, you know, people go, oh, you know, the young, it's the young people, you know, got, got Holly in or whatever. You hear that a lot. But I think the kind of the presumption as well that it's only young people are progressive or want a more progressive style of representation. That's not true either. Like all ages um, of people. And and there's also that there's always that presumption, you know, going for a seat in Cork Southwest that, everybody in a conservative area in a rural area is conservative by default like that's not true either I think it was all ages and types of people um who voted for me and I think like young people are great to get out and vote as well like we've I think we've seen a big rise in that and a lot of that has been you know the social referendums and different things like that but they're perhaps maybe better than people are giving them credit for for getting out to vote (laughs) Absolutely. So you you felt anyway that you you could see it coming basically a long time before the rest of us, maybe as regards that um, that general election win. Yeah, or hoped. Yeah, exactly. And were you surprised then by the publicity afterwards? Because you really were one of the stories of the election nationwide, and even I think papers across, you know, in the UK followed it in America. Party, I suppose, because you were up against you know Christopher O'Sullivan. But also just, I suppose, um, a young woman, you know, beating the traditional parties on their own, you know, um, doorstep. Um, Were you surprised that everybody was looking for your phone number basically that week? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wasn't prepared for the the amount of publicity that the campaign got. And I mean, of course, uh, we were aware that we could have ended up standing against each other in a general election, but it felt quite unlikely beforehand because um, the presumption was that he wouldn't be on the ticket. Um, you know, always struggled to meet their their gender quotas and there was a sitting female TD in Cork Southwest. So when it actually happened, I was surprised and I wasn't prepared for the level of media attention that it got. And it like that was a difficult thing to sort of manage as well because I understand why people are interested. <laughs> it's an interesting story and... Um, you know, where the relationship ends and politics begins and vice versa. But I suppose it's something that I didn't want to talk about because um, 
once you start talking about that, you sort of give away a piece of your private life that you don't get back. And I think anybody who's involved in politics knows that you're kind of, um, you, f you feel a bit like exposed as a person, your life is, and that's what you sign up for. But um, I suppose this is just a, another level of it. And as much as possible, um, I'd like to avoid talking about that and, and focus on, on politics. On the real job. But it has, it has yeah. kind of quietened down a bit now. I think people are kind of beginning to treat you a little bit now that the, the madness of the election is over as individuals and kind of contacting you for your views on actual political issues rather than anything else. So I think you probably find it it's quietened down a lot now since, has it? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, old news. Thank God. Exactly. <laughs> Move on. Next story. So um, you ran as a social democrat, which is uh, was the first time in Cork Southwest that we had a candidate in the general election for the party. So tell me why you were attracted to that party now as opposed to any other when you could have I suppose, had your choice at that stage because we were new to politics. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of reasons um, why I went with the Social Democrats. I think when we talk about affecting real change in Ireland and therefore in Irish politics, there's often um, within institutions, and we, we touched briefly on you know, certain things in Cork County Council that had just become normal. And when something's so ingrained, it can be very difficult to change it. And I don't think it's possible to govern a society that promotes equality if it doesn't exist within the party. And I think that's something that as a nation and all nations do work towards is that promotion of equality. So as an example, um, the, the more traditional parties and the, um, the more long established ones struggle to meet gender quotas. This is just one example within their parties. So to try and you have to start with changing that then before you can start to govern in that way. And it's just, you know, I wouldn't have the patience for it. Like, you know, if we want to actually change things, we just need to move a bit quicker because a lot of things are quite pressing. And so in the Social Democrats, that, that's not a problem. Um, and as a new party, we don't have any kind of ingrained um, institutional issues like that. And I think that's a real positive um, when going about making policy, um, all of those things. And I suppose just on that, the, the main reason um, is, you know, obviously you can think about going independent when you go into politics and all the different things. If you want to see a change, there has to be a policy to back that up. Um, so when picking a party, I, I looked at all of the party policies um, and, and saw what they all stood for. I did, you can do a quiz online. I highly recommend people doing that quiz because I've said it to you before, Siobhan, but I think most Irish people are social democrats. We just haven't all realised it yet. Um, Social democracy is, is, you know, it's that, you know, it's the view that everybody should have an equal shot at life and be able to live a dignified existence. Most Irish people agree with that. And I'd just love to see more socially democratic policies here. I think it would suit most of our beliefs. And to move away from the old party system, we have to quite literally move away from the old parties, I think. Well, that's interesting, though, because you say you'd like to see change and that's why you joined them now. They're one of the parties that have stepped away from government talks quite early on in the process, really. Um, like, are you disappointed that you're not at the table? Yeah, it, like, it's, it's difficult. So we spoke earlier about how quick change can be um, to go from full-time farming to council to TD that quickly was really uplifting and it made me feel like change can happen really quickly. 
And then to see kind of see on a more national level, we are six social democrats in the door. And we thought really hard about government formation. Obviously it took a while to see how it would play out and what the what the options for government formation would be. And nothing's set in stone even now. But the the thing that I thought about a lot during this time, and for take quite a bit of time to explain this, is how do you measure the ability to affect change in opposition and in government? So if you're six TDs in a business as usual government, you possibly can't, unfortunately, affect the kind of change that you um, campaigned for, that you stand for, that you believe in. And then there's a presumption that in opposition, you can't do anything at all. And to a certain extent, as a, somebody very new to politics, is also sort of my presumption. And it's something I really thought about and we as a party really thought about. And in actual fact, for one, that disregards the entire point and purpose of opposition, which is absolutely essential in any government. I learned in Cork County Council how absolutely essential that is. Um, but also, when you think about it, in opposition in the last doll, the Social Democrats um, managed to implement things like the parental leave bill, a massive positive impact on people's lives. It's not as if you're doing nothing there all the time. It depends how you approach this. And um, one of our party leaders, Roisin Shortall, led the policy for Sunch Care, which the, another showing of the importance of that has been the crisis that our healthcare system you know, should always be that single tier, that equal access that we had during the crisis. So I don't accept that it's um, an opportunity to just shout from the opposition benches and get nothing done. It very much depends on how you approach opposition. And also, the, the, the thing is... In terms of uh, approach to policy, that's really important. So there's a big difference between not wanting to govern and not wanting to go into a coalition that simply doesn't work. Like the approach that Fianna Gael have to government and to, to policymaking in Ireland is market-led, um, relying on the market to provide public services. And that's something that we fundamentally disagree with. We believe the state has a responsibility to provide public services, that it shouldn't be left up to the private market. Um, so to try and, and implement any of our policies with that government, it, like, unfortunately, that, that can't work. And the other thing is, is that there isn't actually a government formed yet. Um, who knows what's going to happen? And I mean, yeah, on the whole, I think everybody going into politics wants to be in government, it's never, you wouldn't be saying, oh, I'd love to get into politics and go into opposition. Um, however, sometimes that's how it works out. Right. And also the party you joined is um, co-leadered by two women. And you are the only woman now representing the whole of County Cork. So to what, to what, to what extent just the fact that uh, the party had two women leaders that attracted to the party. Absolutely. Um, being a public representative, being a politician is about representing your community. And like we have to represent both genders with that. So it's amazing and tragic that we still have such a, a problem in reaching um, gender equality in so many areas 
in, in Ireland, including politics. And I think having, you know, good gender balance in the party, yeah, it was a huge draw for me. I mean, like that, we have six TDs and we have the same amount of uh, female TDs as some of the bigger parties, um, which is quite, quite outstanding. And, you know, that there's only one female t- TD in Cork is is actually really really terrible um i get lots of congratulations for being the only female td and that feels strange because it's not a good thing not a good thing um, but there's also loads of things that can be done about that you know i see it in in debates amongst tds and stuff here like what you know we're kind of scratching our heads thinking why is there not more women in politics and like there's some really you know easy solutions to that so what do you um, think are the main reasons? Is it our child? Is childcare a big issue? Is it that it's just a very male-dominated and macho environment, or what? What do you put it down to? I think it's both of those things. One, yeah, childcare is massive. Um, you know, one of the Social Democrats' main policies would be the childcare should be a state provision, and it is a huge barrier for women in any workforce, um, particularly in politics, even. Astonishing, really, but true that there is no maternity leave for Irish female politicians, and you would see that in any other job. Um, so that's a really, you know, that I can't. It's, it's amazing that we're even saying this or talking about that. That should have been sorted out a long time ago. Yet here we are today, and yet, like the other thing is when when we talk about you know the ingrained old school style of politics. It's it's very difficult to articulate this, but for example, on Cork County Council, if there's a group of um, county councillors and a group of council officials and stuff, and they're all standing around having a conversation, and it could be about uh, a project, the development of a project, or funding streams, or things like that, and if you then enter the conversation and the 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 whole conversation sort of changes and there could be something like I remember just often having this conversation so somebody says oh you know a comment on your appearance for example and if you don't just say oh thanks so much you can't take a compliment but the reality is that you haven't been able to join in in the conversation that was happening and that's part of your job so until it's just until there's just equal participation you don't there's no equality um and that's just the reality. So uh, we have a really, really long way to go. And it was a, absolutely a draw for me to not be, um, you know, a, a token female on the ticket. You see that in the bigger parties. Um, the perception that people who are fighting for gender equality love gender quotas is, you know, kind of crazy. I don't think any anyone I've ever met wants to be that gender quota. Mm. But um, unfortunately, we've waited long enough for gender equality to just happen. And you know, that's a necessary tool that sometimes has to be brought in. Right. Okay. And um, just to lighten the mood a small bit, because that's a little bit depressing as a woman. <laughs> but um, you've been in lockdown now, or well, we're, we're leaving lockdown, but you started really, um, almost started your career in the Dáil in lockdown, what you could say. You weren't there very long when restrictions came in, which is a first, I suppose, for a lot of politicians in Ireland. So did you find it very frustrating when you were really, you know, ready to get in there, you know, make make your mark 
and then you found the country was grinding to a halt or have you been still able to function or has that worked? Yeah, I mean, uh, frustrating, yes, you're so excited to just get stuck in and, and all that stuff. But, um, you know, with perspective, um, not at all. It was a difficult time for everybody and we were certainly still able to work uh, remotely and, you know, it was essential work. So we were still still working up in the doll as well. So um, it was a lot of a lot more work on the phone and on emails than perhaps otherwise. But I mean, with perspective and you know the the kind of um the knowledge of what other people are going through there's there's nothing to complain about um it was still absolutely doable and you know obviously I'm looking forward to a time when we can we can get back to normal as well but it was yeah in a way as a new TD perhaps like getting when the pandemic started you get a queries from every person from every sector um, and so it was a steep and really busy like learning curve, but perhaps a helpful one. You make connections in every department and figure out how to go about different things fairly quick. And tell me about your first speech in the Dáil then, Holly, because I've seen you speaking a few times now since in the last few weeks. Um, the Dáil chamber looks very quiet, but I suppose that's all part of the social distancing. But can you take me back to the, the first speech? And is that something that a new TD really spends a lot of time thinking about? Or is it just throw yourself in there and get on with it? I hadn't thought about it at all. There's a quite a short window between when you get elected and when you go up. So I think it was like a few days after the election. It's all a bit of a blur now, but I went up to sign the writ. So you sign into the doll. It was the first time I'd ever been to Leinster House. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know where to park. <laughs> sat nav. And then it was, it feels like it was only a few days later. It was the, the first sitting. Um, so I spent quite a lot of time figuring out what to say and really nervous um shaking this video of it my hands are, are shaking um but it was an opportunity to talk about you know one of my main motivations going into politics and like we spoke about earlier it's climate change but the the perception that that will negatively reshape rural ireland any action on that and the kind of how ridiculous i think that is um it was it was relevant to what was going on in the door that day so it was great to be able to to kind of put that out there straight away um, to kind of start as you mean to go on, I suppose. Um, and it feels like ages ago now. I've got a bit better, a bit less nervous. So after the first one, um, Catherine, one of my colleagues, party leader, told me, Holly, you have to hold a, a really heavy book behind your speech so nobody can see your hands shaking. Oh, good. good tip. <laughs> yeah, so I did that for like the next few and it really helped. And now... Um, all brave I've I've managed to leave my book but you know what? every time I go in because I always use these pens I don't know if you good. can see it on the on the, the um the southern star pen so yeah red and white. I don't know if you can yeah. see it on Aroctus TV but I always have that with me <laughs> that's that's worth a few lines in the paper I'm sure honey. <laughs> and so tell me this um so the little bit of free time you do have if you do have any these days because it sounds really busy what are you reading, watching, or listening to? Um, at the moment, I'm reading um, Whittled Away by Podrick Fogarty. It's about um, biodiversity and solutions. Really, I think, important. Really, I think we should put it on the syllabus. Right. Um, watching, like everybody else, normal people. <laughs> Just finish <laughs> normal people. And 
Yeah, podcast-wise, um, I've been listening to lots of David McWilliams. Um, he's a fascinating economist who I'm sure everybody's aware of, but um, well worth a listen also. A little bit irreverent, I think, on the political end of things, is he? Say that again? He's a little bit irreverent, I think. He's not your straightforward, straight-up um, economist. He's a bit cheeky and has a bit of a quirky view on things, so... Exactly, and he's a real. You appreciate that, yeah. Yeah, and he's a real skill as well for explaining economics in mm. very human terms that uh, we can that I find much easier to understand than your average economist. So, <laughs> highly recommend him. And I see you've been doing a little bit of whale watching as well. Yeah, on World Ocean Day. Um, so you, you, you saw it, some spectacular sights that day, I think. Did you? It's just incredible, like. Off the West Cork coast, you can find some of the biggest animals in the world. And, you know, I think there's a lot of stuff we can we can learn from the crisis. And some of that is that, you know, the, the appreciation of what's around you and what's close to you during the, the, the restrictions of 2K, 5K. Um, we have some amazing stuff in West Cork. And also, you know, for a future crisis, you can't help but think, think about the, the climate crisis and things like that, that the type of you know tourism that we offer and things that we do um we can really promote west cork as a kind of green tourism destination you can do the most amazing things like that and you know blue ways green ways walking trails we have just this huge potential in west cork to Great expand social, in that direction for social distancing even kayaking i think you know is, is a typical example of where you'd be totally safe distanced but you can join a group and get out on the water Exactly. Yeah. And the, the video of the whales is just one showcase for many amazing things you can do in West Cork. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, listen, Harley, thank you so much for joining us today and best of luck in your career. Thank you so much, Vaughan. Thanks for listening to another Southern Star Media podcast production. Stay connected to West Cork by subscribing to our e-paper and support local, quality and trusted journalism. Visit www.subscribe.southernstar.ie